Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high performing individuals tick, why they do what they do and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons and learnings. Welcome to episode number 86. Today we spoke to Dan John, world-renowned strength, fitness and lifting coach of over 30 years, former All-American discus thrower, Highlands Game competitor and author. Dan has coached athletes for over three decades and has written numerous books in the field of strength training and lifestyle, such as Attempts, Never Let Go and Mass Made Simple. In this episode, we discuss habits, how you are the sum of all your habits. Dan also sheds light on tools such as Shark Habits and The Pirate Map. Dan shares his three coaching pillars that he has leaned on during COVID-19, the three basic rules of coaching that tie into every aspect of life. This man starting lifting weights in 1965, he says to respect the process and let the results happen. Dan has plenty of life experiences, so lean in. Thanks for joining us on our show, DJ. Find out more about Dan at www.danjohnuniversity.com. This is kindly brought to you by Instant Speed Training. Used by the best athletes in the world, such as Bowden Barrett, Usain Bolt, Cristiano Ronaldo, and numerous Olympians alike, speed bands are the key to increasing your speed and performance. You can check out their fantastic products at www.instantspeedtraining.com or on social media under handle at speedbands. Use our discount code SEPR15 for an exclusive 15% off. Big thanks to Martin McElroy and the team for sponsoring this episode. Hi, Dan. Thanks for coming on the show. Where are you joining us from today and how's your morning been? My morning's been very good. Uh, delicious cup of coffees, about 10 this morning already. Uh, I'm in a place called Murray. It's in Utah. And for your Irish listeners, uh, on the West Coast is California. The next state over is Nevada. That's where that has Las Vegas. And we're the next one over. So we're the third state uh and utah is much larger than you think england and ireland would fit comfortably inside of it oh wow did yeah. not know that <laughs> yeah. the western um, united states is massive massive places and is that where you're originally from then no i'm from south san francisco a, a city called south san francisco uh, um, when i was young i just i was a discus thrower and the best place to go in the united states at the time was utah state university and and that's how I ended up here, and I never truly ever left, yeah. And to all our listeners, people might know, Dan obviously gets over to Ireland from time to time. What brings you across the Atlantic, Dan? Well, the first time, it was to do a workshop in Dublin and take my family to... So we celebrated uh, Christmas in Selbridge, uh, which was just a delightful place. If you know Selbridge, it's a place called the Roundhouse. And that's where we, 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 we rented that place. And then it became so easy. And, of course, uh, uh, Adrian and I, Adrian Craddock and I became just really good friends. And he spent, uh, I want to say he spent about two months with me here in Utah. And then, uh, of course, went out for his wedding, went out for Niall's wedding, went out for, oh, I've come out for workshops all over the place time and time again. And my wife and I spent about a month every year in Galway. Uh Right there between Salt Hill, yeah, basically Salt Hill, uh, just as you first get into uh, the Salt Hill area, we're right next to the business school. 
And just FYI, listeners, big shout out to Adrian Craddock. Um, I, I went to went to college with him in Carlo quite some time ago. Never knew that Adrian was such good friends with Dan. And obviously Adrian was nice enough to introduce us. And that's how we managed to reach out to Dan today. So um, thanks for that, Mr. Craddock. Hope all is well over in Galway. So remember, when you're when you're talking to Adrian, just got to slow down a little bit, you know. Love you. <laughs> Dan, look, you've done an awful lot in in terms of training, in terms of teaching, education, all, all those sort of things. So much has happened in the world over these past couple of months. What have you managed to to use through all your experience that's helped you through what has been such a turbulent period? Oh, I mean, well. Honestly, I mean, can I just give you my three basic rules of coaching and you'll see how they tie into every aspect of life. Would that be okay? Pretty simple. Perfect, yeah. Sure. Well, number one, invest wisely in asymmetrical risks. So uh, (laughs) it's so simple. It's so natural part of my life. Let me give you the basic one and we'll move from there. So I live in a desert, technically a high desert, and it can be dangerous where I live. It is a massive area. Uh, you've seen Utah in movies many times. It's the Red Rock Desert. It's the Salt Deserts. If you break down in certain parts of Utah, you could die, and it, it's not out of reason, and it does happen. So I buy these $20 backpacks that have, uh, for four people, uh, a three-day supply of food and water and some just some very simple things. I, I've never used one of these backpacks. None of my daughters have ever used them. My wife's never used them. But if my daughter and my grandkids break down somewhere, how much how much value is that backpack? Well, I mean, it's not twenty dollars. It's it's priceless. So that's the most basic. So when you're coaching someone in the javelin, um, <laughs> you basically say first out loud, "What's the worst that can happen?" And then you look at that javelin and you think, "Okay, I've got a clue." Uh, and then you just start. So you, for example, when I coach javelin throwers, there's these plastic javelins called turbo jabs. And we train with those because uh, you might, if you got hit hard enough, it would hurt, but it won't go through you. Um, Invest wisely in asymmetrical risks. When my gym closed down, I started training back in my home gym. My home gym, I have three Olympic bars. I have 26 kettlebells, four TRXs, two different hip thrust machines. So it wasn't exactly a burden for me to train at home because I invested wisely in home equipment for a long time. Are you following the point here? Um, I always tell young people to put some money aside in case your water heater breaks or you need to replace your tires so that you have a little emergency fund all the time. And I'm not saying that bad things are going to happen, but if they do, you've thought about it. You've prepared yourself. So if you're coaching, well, hurling, you're coaching hurling, what's the worst that can happen when you have a bunch of young boys with sticks and heart balls? Well, you know, a bunch of bad things can happen. So <laughs> um, and so take take time to make sure you work on some, some simple things that will make things simpler. Number two, and this is the hardest one for people to understand, embrace the obvious. Runners run, swimmers swim, bikers bike, throwers throw, jumpers jump. If you want to coach a team, uh, do the obvious first. If you're going to coach an athlete, do the obvious things first. Um, The foundational things, the basics. (laughs) 
don't lose your mind trying to find the secret because the secret is there is no secret. If you're going to be a discus thrower, you got to lift weights and throw the discus. That's obvious, right? Embrace the obvious. Fall in love with the obvious, and you'll be much happier. And then the third one, this probably, uh, this one's become more important to me. So I turned 63 in a couple of days, and uh, and I've been lifting weights since 1965, and you know I have a bunch of academic degrees, and I've had a lot of life experiences, but this one is respect the process and let the results happen. So you know I, I got to be honest, you know if you're a if you're an athletic boy from Turles, uh, there's a you know and you have a whole bunch of friends who love a certain sport with a stick and a ball, there's a good chance, you know, that you're going to be hurlers. What would you think, guys? True on that? Yeah. I don't know if you ever, ever will win all Ireland because you can't, but what you can do is respect the process, you know, train hard, play hard, show up when you're supposed to show up, you know, keep building up the community and the team. You still might not win. You know, Galway may steal one again. But you did what you could do, and that's what respect in the process is. As a discus thrower, I was too short. Um, you know, uh, good discus throwers are about two meters tall, and I'm not. Um, but, but what I could do was make myself the best discus thrower I could and let the results be the results. Um, and, I, and I think when you do number three, like, for example, if you're working with a fat loss client, anybody, any of your listeners or personal trainers or anything like that, or interested in fat loss, you know, if you cut back on the crappy carbs, if you drink more water, eat more vegetables, go for a walk, do some basic fundamental weightlifting movements, you know, and you do that, you know, for two, three, ten years, what you got at the end of the ten years is what you got if you actually did it. Now, you might not be the cover of a, a, a magazine, but God bless you. You did what you could do, okay? And th that's how I deal with just about everything, guys. So when this, for example, this pandemic hit, my wife and I, if if I go to the store and I have to buy something, I don't just buy one. Oh, it canned goods, especially perishables, uh, non-perishables. I always buy a couple of extra because like tuna fish. I would never go to the store and buy one can of tuna fish because... Everybody in the world knows that you're going to need another can of tuna fish sooner or later. So I buy <laughs> more tuna fish. So when this thing hit, we went down in our freezer and we looked around and went in our pantry and we were like, we don't have to rush off to the store like everybody else and hoard food. We're okay. Uh, we looked at our careers. We don't have to worry about this or that. We're okay. Um, uh, I invested... Uh, my internet at home here, I have a fiber uh, fiber optic line into my house. So we have a very, very strong internet. So my wife had to work full-time and I had to work full-time. And some other stuff going on with, you know, my daughter was with us. We were able to have a lot of internet at my home because we took care of it earlier. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. And, and when the pandemic hit, I mean, I just embraced the obvious. I stayed at home, I washed my hands, and I wore a mask. And I did what science said, not the Cheeto in charge. Uh, right now, I don't know if I've ever gotten sick or not. I was at a, an event in February where the guy sitting next to me had COVID, and I didn't feel well after that. Here's the thing, folks. 
and listen, I, I'm, I'm respecting the process. And if I get COVID and I, and I, you know, I have a history of a disease called pleurisy. And if I end up face down dying, well, damn it, I did what I could do, you know? So that's my basic vision of coaching, but it's also my basic life vision too, okay? With regards to the third point of respect in the process, it's a really good one. Um, how do you coach people or promote people to stay consistent with their efforts? Well, there's only there's three rules of success, according to me, and I, I could be right. Number one is show up. Number two is keep going. And number three is ask questions. You know, if you're not going to be consistent, then all you're, tell, all you're using is your lungs to push noise past your vocal cords. And I'm in a place where I don't have to put up with that kind of thing anymore, which is kind of nice, to be honest with you. If someone can't respect the process, then I really have to spend a lot more time shaping them with, with well, there's, there's two sides to it, habits and community. But uh, if you know anything about me, you know that I'm a, I'm a big believer that you, sitting in your chair right now, are the sum of all your habits. Okay? I have taught people in my life with extraordinarily good luck. You know, kids that will get $10 million in a trust the day they turn 18. By the way, that's a curse, just in case you're wondering. Or families that, you know, I taught kids who have their family name is on stadiums here in the United States. You know, they spent, they built stadiums, for God's sakes. That's a lot of money. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be successful in life because it's the habits that you have. So, and I, do you want me to go into depth on this at all? Yeah, habits would be a big thing for us, Dan. So shark habits, micro habits, tiny habits. It's okay, so I only, have, I only believe in two kinds of habits or two kinds of things. And I actually think of them as tools, uh, kind of in the Anthony Robbins way, where he calls certain mental tricks a tool. The first is what I call a shark habit. Anyone who knows me won't be surprised I'm wearing a black polo shirt right now because I have 16 black polo shirts uh, because that's all they had in North America in this brand in my size, and I bought them all. Um, <laughs> I only wear one kind of jeans. Uh, I only wear one kind of shoes. A shark habit, when you guys called me, didn't I ask me to speak? Basically, what did I say? Is, yeah. How easy was it to work with me? Now, I bitched about the starting time because I'm kind of a pansy. But uh, <laughs> Forgive you for that one, Dan. Well, you, you do want me to speak after a couple of cups of coffee. You don't want the first, you don't want Dan, little Danny John's first, first in the morning. <laughs> when I wake up, the first thing I do is I answer every email. I, if I open my emails, I answer every one. If, uh, if you call me, I answer the phone. Uh, I have it on do not disturb now. Uh, if you, if I get a letter, I answer the letter. Uh, yesterday I had this collision of three things. The guy who owns my business with me, my accountant and a podcast uh, I got, so I was just about to start a podcast about two minutes. My accountant called Brian, uh, was on, uh, Skype from Turkey. And so I had three different things going on at once and I dealt with all three of them. You know why? Because that podcast was scheduled and that was the most important, but my accountant needed a little bit of information. Brian needed a little bit of information. And here's the thing. The moment I said, yes, no, maybe, or whatever it was, my accountant hung up. Brian clicked off, and then I gave my full and undivided attention to the podcast. I didn't have little squirrels in my head squeaking at me. Wee, 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 wee. <laughs> you know? So shark habits, uh, for example, uh, 
having a weekly menu of what you're going to eat every night, having a weekly chore list of what you're going to, uh, what chores you're going to do around the house. My daughters will tell you they grew up with Monday being white laundry, Tuesday being dark laundry, uh, Wednesday being clean the bathrooms. And that was the chore, the nightly chore that we did. They, they, they laugh now because both of them are adults and they basically are still doing the exact same list. To me, those are shark habits. And shark, one bite and it's gone. One bite and it's gone. So uh, when someone texts or emails me, my answer is yes or it's no. It's not, geez, get back to me in a month or so. Unless I have to, if I will say right now I can't, but can you get back to me in a month? That would be what I do. And the other side is called a pirate map. But a pirate map uh, comes from Pat Flynn. It's a, someone bitched one time because Pat gave him a very simple one-page training program. And the guy said something like, well, shouldn't it be longer? And Pat's point was, well, you know, pirates. And then, of course, that's where this thing came from. So go to St. John's Island, find the white coconut tree, take seven paces to the west, and dig down, and there's the buried treasure. So a pirate map is whatever your goal is, whatever your major goal is. And and mine is the dance at my granddaughter Josephine's wedding. That's my goal. She's six years old. So I'm hoping to be around 20 years from now. Uh, As I say to audiences all the time, people in my family die young. This is going to be the 40th anniversary of my mother's death this year. Uh, She died much younger than I am. Uh, My brother... (laughs) was given a workshop in England last year, and I said, we die young. And someone came up after and said, you shouldn't talk like that, not knowing. And I hadn't found out yet that my brother Phil had just died. Uh, mm-hmm. So we die young, man. So for me to live another 20 years is is, is a good goal, okay? So mm-hmm. so my pirate, uh, my pirate map is, number one, it starts with, uh, it's funny because I'm holding a, uh, a little, little notebook right here, and it says, uh, podcast with Dave. Uh, I write my to-do list for the next day uh, and I take my supplements or whatever I need to take and I try to get a good night's sleep. Two is I wake up and I try to be grateful. This morning I was grateful for my wife. Uh, Three, I do a one-minute meditation every day. Uh, Yesterday it was nine minutes, but at least one. Uh, Four, I try to eat eight different vegetables every day. And then number five is my, my workout training program for the week. And my thought is if I follow that pirate map day in, day out for the next 20 years, I've been doing it now for 23 or 24 years, uh, four or five years, pardon me. That's the best thing I go, you know, wear my seatbelt, you know, see the dentist, see the, you know, all that stuff too, obviously. But day in, day out, if I can do these things, I up my chances of, of seeing my uh, granddaughter get married. And that's really insightful for everyone. Um, and that's, that's really insightful for everyone. I want to ask you a little bit about people that are trying to maybe get into training currently and there might have been significant restrictions on what they could do. And perhaps the angle is longevity and that's what's really important for them. But they mightn't be able to go to a gym. They mightn't be able to do what their normal sort of program would be and they might be stuck at home. What kind of advice would you give to that sort of group of people out there? Well, I hate to say it so bluntly, but I have a site called danjohnuniversity.com. And um, the first two weeks are free. And if you, if you put Corona in the thing, it'll give you three months 
for 29 bucks. I hate to sell this, but you'll understand why. Because the first question I have to ask you, Dave, is this. What equipment do you have? And that's we have a thing in there called the workout generator, and that's the first. Now, if you have no equipment, that's fine, too. And then the second question is, how many days a week? How intense? And there's one or two others. And then you press a button, and it will give you a, a five-day-week training program with, for, with no equipment. And so for me, that's I hate to do this because I, I, I feel like I'm not directly answering the question, but I am. That's why we put this thing together because no, no equipment exercise is a lost art. And so we put together the videos and all the workouts. But if you don't, if you don't want to spend the, the discounted rate, $29 for three months, um, I, I would suggest first and foremost, as best as you can, uh, there's been some recent research on walking, but a very interesting thing about walking. Uh, walking to a place for a reason seems to be better for you than meandering or uh, sauntering. Uh, isn't that interesting? I, I, uh, so if you have to, if you say I'm going to walk to Murray Park, I'm going to touch the, uh, the, the flag and then turn around and come back. That seems to be better exercise than just kind of going off and wandering around aimlessly. I found that fascinating. Now, how true that is, is, of course, you know, a million-dollar question, uh, as you know. Um, but walking, folks, first and foremost, humans need to walk more. We know that. Uh, the 10,000-step thing turned out to be bogus. Um, but certainly most, most of your listeners would know that when you walk every day after a few weeks, good things seem to happen. My good friend Stu McGill, the back injury specialist, he found that a 10-minute walk before every meal did as much for the back as all the other stuff you can throw at it. Um, the, spinal the spinal column loves walking. That springy, snapping action as your, your hips drive forward and you counterbalance with the shoulders is one of the best things you can do for your back. For home training, um, I'm a big believer in, as, as best you can, doing some kind of squat, some kind of hip thrust, and some kind of push-up. In fact, that's the training I do on the road. I bring one of Brett Contreras' hip, hip bands with me, those glute loops, and mm -hmm. I do hip thrusts, clamshells, push-ups, and I will squat on the road, but basically I always hold the, the bathroom in the hotel, the bathroom uh, door, doorknob, and I do what I call doorknob squats because on the road, I'm not so interested in working out as maintaining that wonderful. So a deep squat does wonders for your, your hips, knees, ankles, uh, lower back, the pelvic bowl. Heck, I can feel it almost midway up my back if I, if I do little circles at the bottom. So for me, so if I, if you, if, if you're going to go without any equipment, uh, you guys call them press-ups. So press-ups, uh, some kind of squat, hip thrusts, and if you can, clamshells. And, and then hop up and go for a walk, man. Yeah, like that's that's brilliant. It's funny, the, the walking, just walking with intention, that's that's really interesting. Like just having a kind yeah. of focal point makes a big difference, right? Now, now this, this research is new, new, new. I just read it about a day ago. What it, When I read it, it, you know, sometimes you'll read something, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Okay. You know, it's like, because, uh, you know, I know a lot of people who go for walks 
An interesting thing, they've done the walking studies of Americans. And oddly, where I live here in Utah, we seem to walk as fast as anybody in the United States. Uh, everyone's always thinks that New Yorkers walk fast. But uh, since I live in a big, broad desert, I think when people walk here, you it's you know you, know, you, you want to get out of the sun, so we kind of we kind of uh, go a little quicker than most places. But yeah, having a but you know what's interesting if you think about it, Dave. Anytime you do something with intention, it te- seems to be a little bit better. So maybe this isn't as fancy as I thought it was. Dan, you know when you go into people and you're you're teaching them, educating, giving a workshop anything like that. And you've touched on habits. A huge area of focus for us, obviously, is when we run a workshop, we have to have a follow-up and them being adherent or kind of sticking with some consistency to what we try to teach them is really important. It shows we've done a good job in the first place and shows there was kind of buy-in. What what are your thoughts on to how you can get those kind of key teaching points to, to stick with whoever you've given your instruction or educational seminar to? Well, I'm telling you, brother, that's the problem. So let me put it on two sides here, as I always do. Let's talk about active athletes first. Um, I always separate population into active athletes and then what I call everybody else, what most people call general population. With active athletes, sports is a butcher system, okay? Uh, you know, here we, we have this great sport called American football, which I love. And, you know, you'll have, you know, you'll have 213-year-old boys playing it. The next year you should show up, you'll have 100. The next year you'll have 50, 40, 30, 10, 1. And though that one moves on to a system <clears throat> where he becomes one of 100. And if he's that good, he soon becomes one of 40. And if he's that good, five years later, he'll look around the, the, the locker room and not know a single person in there. So in sports, if you don't have consistency, you don't stick. And I can't be chasing, you know, I can't be chasing you around because I've got, I've got someone just as good, but with enthusiasm there. And I tell you, man, if you can ever put, connect uh, genetic gifts with hard work, you got a world beater. With everybody else, I'm a believer in the tiny habit system of, uh, he's from Stanford University. His name is B, the letter B, the letter J. Fog, F-O-G-G, and it's called Tiny Habits. And when you work with somebody who's, are you guys pounds or kilos? Which is easier for you? Kilos is the one for us here, yeah. Sure, kilos, okay. So you're going to work with somebody who's 50 kilos over over fat, okay? They need to lose 50 kilos, which is not unusual here in the States, uh, sadly. Uh, I worked with several. Uh, I used to, they would sit down and I would get the, uh, my mom, my mom was a nice Irish lady. Her, uh, her family was up from the Antrim, uh, Antrim area, uh, uh, northern, uh, the north of Belfast, uh, just north of Belfast. Uh, if you ever, if any of your listeners are McCloskey's, uh, look in the mirror. If you look ugly, we're family. <laughs> you know, she hated a phrase, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. When you work with somebody 50K over, it's amazing what they'll tell you. They're willing to do anything. They are... You know, they're all in a million percent. And yet the truth is, uh, most of that, most of what they said they're going to do is probably undone by the time they get to their car. So what I've discovered is when I'm working with people who are on the extreme end, 
here, I'll give you my system. And generally it starts in January. So we'll just go in January. I expect you to drink two glasses of water every day. And I call you up at nine o'clock at night. And the joke is always this, David, bring, 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 bring. Why? Because the person is drinking the second glass of water. <laughs> Month two, February, uh, I go to where you work and I, we find the parking space that is the farthest away from your office. Okay. And I tell, I tell everybody else in your office, Hey, Karan, if, if Dave parks anywhere else, you call me and I'm going to fire Dave. I'm going to get him. I'm, that's it. You're done. Month three is very interesting. Uh, we put your workout shoes, your trainers next to the door. On week one, your job is to put those shoes on every day. That's it. Week two, you put the shoes on, you open the door. And there's we find a spot that you can see from your door. And your job is to walk to the spot, touch it, and walk back. Now, when P I tell this to people, it drives them crazy. Here's the thing. I had a client not only lose the 50 kilos in a year, but on the day he started, uh, the, uh, uh, the January 1st, he ran a half marathon. Now, you say to yourself, wait a second, all he did was drink water, park farther away, and put on his shoes for a couple of weeks before going, right. But what we've established is habits. Hardest lesson you'll learn in your life, look in the mirror, you are the sum of your habits. If you, have, if you don't have the lifestyle you want, that's on you. If you don't have, well, within reason, you know, here in the United States, we do have some systematic problems. But very much the way you look, that's all based on the sum of your habits. Uh, the way you eat, the foods you choose to eat, habits, 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 what time you go to bed, habit, what time you get up, habit, did you make your bed this morning, habit. Um, you know, I'm sitting here right now looking around and I'm thinking, my God, I haven't had a conscious thought yet today because I woke up to the smell of coffee. I got up, I made the bed because I never, I don't leave the bedroom without making the bed. Um, I showered and shaved and I put on this black polo and these black shorts because that's the only option I had because that's all I have. Habit, have, and I sat down, I've already answered about 80 emails this morning. Um, and how, wasn't I early on? Yes, you were. Yeah, we, so why? Because that's my habit, to be on early. Habit, 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 habit. If you don't like the way you look in the mirror, habit. If you don't like the way your teeth look, you didn't floss and brush enough. Habit, habit. See enough dentists. Habit, 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 habit. And you know what? That bugs the hell out of some people, guys. Bugs the hell out of them. Because they don't want to be told that, yeah, you see this life you have? Well, you built it. And yeah, bad things happen. I, I, I will allow that, you know. I've, uh, my family is a military family. Three of my brothers went to Vietnam and two are disabled from Vietnam. And yeah, that's a tough break. They came home and went back to college and, you know, they both did very well. I mean, and I'm not saying we're better than anybody else, but it's a hard lesson to learn, guys. And you know what? There's no way. I used to be kind of a little bit more positive, like, oh, and jeepers, we can turn it around. Oh, now I'm more like, sorry, so, sorry, bro. You know, <laughs> God, that came off kind of like a jackass, but. <laughs> that was cool, Dan. Dan, thank you. 20 years forward now, but you see a version of yourself that's only becoming a youth or, you know, going and starting to get into this whole training life. 
what kind of clear message would you give to a younger version of yourself? Well, first thing I'd do is I'd hug the little bastard. He, uh, <laughs> little Danny John, I got myself this massive piggy bank. And what I did was whenever I got money, I would turn it into quarters because I wanted this. It was a big plastic, ugly thing. God, it was ugly. I think it was my, uh, my nieces and I just stole it from her. Uh, hell of a guy here. And I saved it. between this little job I worked on Wednesday and my allowance that was $3 a week. So that was 12 quarters. And I just get in and, and, and it's funny because once people heard I was hoarding quarters, they would give me, I mean, I'd be at a, um, you know, we'd be at a thing and my dad would tell somebody, yeah, he's saving up for this thing. Well, what I was saving up for was a bench, an incline bench. And it took me about a year to earn enough money to buy it. And that incline bench. <clears throat> so that would be when I was 13. I saved money up for a year because, and then I was, I would begin to collect weights too. So people would have their old weight set, you know, the little crappy cement and plastic weights, and they would, we'd have a party, and someone would bring two ten-pound weights, or we'd be at a party, and then I'd have two fifteen-pound metal weights, and it, it was a good lesson for me. And so this little guy saved up for a year, bought it. Uh, it's interesting about what happened that when I went off to college, I gave it to my cousin, Joey, who became a national level rugby player here in the States. When he uh, moved into uh, the police, he gave it to our cousin, Keith, who became the NFL uh, defensive player of the year uh, for the Minnesota Vikings, which I know that doesn't mean much to you and the Irish, but it's huge. And it was that okay. same incline bench just kept, I wonder where it is now, you know, what, whose lives it's changed. It's a magical bench. So, hey, you know, when you look back on, a, on what that kid did, it's like, yeah, I just got to thank him because it, everything I have in my life was because of the discipline he did uh, at 13, I think it was, maybe 14, saving that money for a weightlifting bench and uh, you know, just doing the fundamental lifts and that kind of discipline carried over into every aspect of my life. When I started throwing the discus, I was able to utilize that discipline uh, to stay out by myself for up to six hours, throwing by myself. What I tell him, I would probably help him uh, with his technique and the discus coming out of the back of the ring. But other than that, I wouldn't. No. That, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's pretty happy with little DJ. Myself and Kiran look really really grateful for only kind of touching on so many different things with you today you know we're gonna have to have a follow-up in the future for sure but anyone who comes on this podcast sleepy perform repeat we always ask them for a simple one-liner to finish which is what does high performance mean to you dan well i mean the, the funniest thing about the sports i deal with and i'm gonna get, come i'm gonna come around a little bit of a circle okay i'm gonna irish you on this one okay I won't, you know, the old joke about how, uh, I'm lost. How to get to Dublin? Well, I wouldn't start from here, you know. Um, so to me, it, it's during the Olympics, especially when people who don't know the discus, hammer, shot, javelin, I'll tell them to, or even come to a, a good track meet. I'll say, you know nothing about the event. Just watch the throwers or the jumpers and just tell me which one of them kind of looks the best. And they'll go, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that that guy. Oh, that that guy, that girl. And I go, huh? 
And I'll go, what do you see with that person? I don't know, it just looks right. To me, high performance is that when you can look at it and there's that grace, there's that mastery that is so self-evident that someone who doesn't even know the event knows that you're the best. You know, when you're, if you ever go to a track practice and you see an elite sprinter, once they start to do a few things, you just kind of laugh and go, yeah, this one's the real deal. Okay. Self-evident mastery and grace that just bleeds off the performance. Uh, I don't want to hear some crap about what a computer says. The eyeball test is all I need. It's a great answer. It's a great answer, Dan. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> you were too ready for everything else with your one, two, three and your structure. And we're like, we have to throw DJ when he comes on here all the way from Utah. <laughs> well, I look forward to coming back to the Emerald Isle pretty soon, I tell you. You know, there's been a lot of excitement there. I don't know if you guys know this, but in Galway, there's a great little bar called Garavan's, which is uh, one of my, uh, just one of the great bars. Well, my friend Angus, he's now serving his uh, Mexican food there. So here's the thing. At one of the greatest whiskey drinking places on the planet Earth, they now have Angus's Mexican food. I mean, can life get any better than that? <laughs> I, I just can't. I just can't see how life can get better. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I miss you guys. Dan, thanks very much for taking the time to speak to us today. Looking forward to checking out. Looking forward to seeing you over here soon. Um, all going well with coronavirus, of course. And stay well, stay fit, and stay healthy. Oh, no, no, no problem with those. Hey, we'll talk. Let's do this again soon, okay? Sounds good, Thank Dan. Thank you for Take listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan.